This is the Life and Soul podcast with me, Emma Forbes. 2020 really was an eventful year, and amidst the madness, we've all had time to reflect on what we most appreciate in life. And although we're still surrounded by uncertainty, it's important to be reminded of what really matters. I'm going to be asking some fabulous guests what makes them tick, asking them what really gives them life and what really feeds their soul. So join me for some nuggets of wisdom, a moment to breathe, and above all, a good old chat over a virtual cup of tea. And I hope that by listening, you'll leave feeling a little brighter about the year ahead. Thrilled this week to be joined by somebody I have known for a very long time. I don't know how long, but I feel like it's a very long time. It might be in double digits. <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier today. I think it's almost been 10 years since we've known each other. That's what I said, almost. double digits. Well, for those listening, <laughs> he's very, very well known now. In England, he appears on ITV this morning as a resident doctor. He does a great ITV program alongside Sean Williams called Save Money, Good Health. He's been on Strictly. He does a medical advice show. His own one called Encore, which began airing in March 2020, and now the author of a fabulous book. I was lucky enough to get a preview read of, of How to Grow Up and Feel Amazing, The No Worries Guide for Boys. Rand, you've done yes. it all. I feel like I was there from the beginning and you've done it <laughs> you all. You were. You were absolutely. And you have been my cheerleader and champion from the beginning. I always come back to this. I was like, yes, Emma was there right at the start. I remember when you used to say to me, you know what? you really should go with this. You really should give this a go. Because I'd kind of been sort of thinking about doing something in the media and maybe using my medical expertise to help more people on a different platform. And you gave me one of my very first chances. And I thought, gosh, maybe I can. Must have had an inkling that you would be <laughs> the success that you are because you you really are. But also, Ranj, it's really well-deserved. And I have to say, even living in America, I follow you obviously on Instagram, which is our kind of, our means of sort of contact these days. It is. I've often been sort of like, I know this sounds really trite, but almost like moved to tears by you because you're just this divine person, I think, in so many ways. And the fact that you prioritized going back to your roots, if you like, of the NHS during this. You're a pediatrician to which if you've got children as a mum, you just love all pediatricians. And I can think (laughs) of no no better pediatrician than you. You must just bring so much sunlight to all these kids. And Talk about keeping going in this extraordinary time. And and you and I have a great friend in common, Gemma Shepherd. And Gemma mm. and I spoke in the beginning and she was like, you know, we would always talk about you. And I go, what does Ranj say? In the beginning, <laughs> I have to be honest, there was a point where Gemma said to me, you know, Ranj thinks this is going to go on for quite a while. And I was in the two-week lockdown mode. Mm. I thought, this will just mm. be. And I was like, he does? But, oh, my God, Ranch, who knew? You couldn't have known. None of us. None of us could have predicted what was going to happen. And I think we were all taken by surprise. It's been a huge life lesson in so many ways for so many of us. Um, We've completely changed the way we live our lives. We've completely changed the way we behave. And this will, even though things are now fortunately getting better, and, you know, we talk about how vaccine rollout is happening, cases are going down, less and less people ending up in hospital. This is all fantastic news. But our behaviour is going to change for a long time and it's going to have to change for a long term. And I hope that it's also, alongside all of that, it's given us a sense of gratitude for what we actually do yeah. have and what we can do. I certainly know that this summer I am not going to take anything for granted. I'm going to go out, see and hug my friends if we're allowed, and I'm never going to go home. 
I feel exactly the same, the kind of the gratitude list. And also, like, it's the smaller things. I cannot wait to hug any member of my family back in oh. England. I mean, I don't know what order oh. I'll do it in. Pretty much probably my <laughs> sister first because she's been the poorly one. But literally, mm. I will be hugging them one after the other. I won't even take going for a cup of coffee. If you think back to when you and I used to meet, we'd sit and, and chew the fat over mm. a cup of coffee in my kitchen. Yeah. That would be a luxury yes. now, frankly. I mean, I looked at you oh. the other day watering your plants. You make me laugh in your Insta story. And you're like, <laughs> I'm watering my plants. I bought flowers. I'm like, nothing yeah. is taken for granted. I mean, we have to look at the good of COVID. And I guess yeah. in my doing this podcast, I've just been staggered at We've all been challenged so much. And I guess you must have been challenged too, even as a doctor, because it's just, it's mm. tough to face all of that. And I know you must have seen cases of COVID. You must have been dealing with it. It yes. must have just been something that you couldn't be prepared for in a way. Absolutely. Um, in so many ways, personally and professionally, I don't think I could ever have been prepared for something like this. So for those of you who don't know, I, I work in the NHS in the UK on the front line. I work in yeah. uh, children's emergency and also children's intensive care. And even though children are relatively under affected by COVID, which is, I suppose, any silver lining if this thing could have one. You know, we still had to help out our adult colleagues and the rest of the hospital and change the way we work. And none of us could have been prepared for that. I don't think any of us could have been prepared for how much our personal lives were going to change. And, you know, just not being able to see people and decompress at the end of a long shift. My therapy is seeing other people socially and kind of talking and, and chewing the fat and getting things off my chest that way. That's how I cope. So it's been a huge learning curve from that perspective. But so much good has come from this pandemic. So much more that I appreciate. I've been actively checking in on people more. Even though we haven't been able to see people face to face, I've tried to remain connected in many other ways. And also, I think it's revived my sense of duty in terms of my medical work and what I do yeah. for a living, because it's made me think, right, this is your purpose. This is how it all started. Like, come on, step up. It's time to do your thing and do your part. I think you've done that. But I think what's also nice is you've also along the way, you've highlighted other issues that we mustn't forget about, um, like mm. HIV. I in interviewed yes. David Furnish and it was a really stark reminder. I watched that amazing new series, It's the Sin. And, mm. and talking to David, I was, and I'm ashamed to say, I was quite ignorant to the fact of just how many people that pandemic killed. Yes. So I think the fact that you're still highlighting the HIV testing is phenomenal mm. and needed and I love that you're a doctor for one and all whatever your race creed sexual preference yes. you cover it all and I was also really thrilled that you've done this book because I now have a strapping 21 year old but let me tell you I would have <laughs> loved him to have had that kind of book growing up and to yeah. my knowledge there just wasn't that kind of education and you've done it in a way that's so clever. I love the graphics. I love the illustration. I love the no nonsense, but you kind of get to the point. And I thought, <laughs> boy, this is really, it's really important for the world we live in to have something like that. And you must have sort of done that, I guess, during the pandemic or sort of leading up to it. Yeah, this is the interesting thing. So I finished writing this book just as we were going into the pandemic for the very first time. So I had no idea what was about to happen to the world. And the reason I started writing this book was because there was a real need for an yeah. up-to-date growing up guide for young men and boys. 
there was some stuff out there already, but what was out there kind of felt a little bit out of date. So I think it needed to be modernized. But I had no idea how important something like this would become because young people in particular have been under so much stress and their mental health has been impacted so hugely by what has happened over the last year. And I feel like it is needed now more than ever. And at the same time, I did it for myself as well. I wanted to create and write the book that I needed when I was growing up. So it's very much written from the perspective of a friend or an older sibling that is your reassuring voice, that is your advice that you can go to. It's very honest. It's very frank. But I've tried to be as inclusive and welcoming as possible. I want anybody to pick up this book and think, okay, this speaks to me as well. There's a bit of me in this. I've used examples from my own life, my own growing up to reiterate to young people that you are never alone. You are never alone. There is always somebody who has either gone through it or is there to help you that you can turn to in your time of greatest need. And I just wanted it to be that reassuring voice on your shoulder. Well, I think you've achieved that. And as I say, you, you know, you've used your own experience because you grew up in a very traditional household and mm-hmm. being gay and coming out was was not the, mm. the thing it is now. And I notice in my son mm. now, who's 21, thank goodness, and at an American university, I see the change in the total acceptance of that. I see yes. that kids can talk more freely. But I suspect in a sort of global pandemic, when people are struggling with all sorts of things like that, it, it would really emphasize it even more. And to have a book you're right. They were kind of out of date, really. I, d- I mean, I don't. Mm. I actually, I've never really seen a book like that. And I think that to have that a, a voice or somebody that they can go to, and again, with social media, you're very good. You have real clarity on social media. I know that when I was getting myself, and I like to think of myself as quite a sort mm. of together person, but I, when <laughs> I was getting lost in the sea of kind of, oh my god, what's happening? I'd go to your Instagram, and you do these little updates. It was you and Katie Couric in America, who's my sort of heroine over here. You both did COVID-19 updates. I was like, oh, phew. It was in like a little box. It was like the pinpoints that I needed because we get lost in it. You know, if you're not medical, if you're not like that, and I can only see that particularly for that age group, particularly for kids Mm. and that puberty range, you've got enough going on. You know, you do need (laughs) the help. We all need the help, but they need the help. That's it. And remember, when you and I were growing up, we didn't have the internet. So we experienced the world in a very different way. Young people who are growing up now are surrounded by a sea of information. They are so connected, you know, in in matters of seconds, you can access the other end of the world and access this wealth of information, which in one way is really, really good but in other ways could potentially be quite harmful if you don't know what you're doing or if you don't know how to react to it. And we see that day in, day out with the impact that social media can have on your life and your mental health and your well-being and what you think about yourself. I always say we have never been so informed and yet misinformed at the same time. It's so true. so much out there. There's so much out there. And in fact, I know I keep talking about my son, but he's my sort of reference point in this. Since he went to American University, I finally said to him once, you've got to stop Googling WebMD. I said, because we are getting into a, no no offence to WebMD. But I said to him, honestly, Zach, ring me first, because he was doing, you know, people do self-diagnosis. self-diagnosis. What's going, I was like, honestly, this is, this is not going in the right direction for you on this. I'd be like, where did you even get that name? 
brain. He was coming up with things. I'd say, you've got a sore throat, sweetheart. You don't need, we don't need to go down that route. It's a sore throat. Like we need a strepsil for that. And he'd be like, yeah, yes. but I was Googling it. I'm like, stop the Googling. But it's very <laughs> difficult. And you're right. We're more connected than we ever were. And again, it goes back to that, you know, even with the HIV thing as well. I mean, mm. we're informed. I used to do a program on World AIDS Day. I was telling David this when I interviewed him. I used to do a program called Speakeasy and we and I'd have a doctor on and we did World AIDS yes. Day. And, and yet we didn't have all of this information. We didn't have anything. The only thing that I really mm. hang on to from that is that was another pandemic and now people can live with HIV and there is yes. a, a life at the end of it. So if anything, Absolutely. it should give us all hope that there is a way out of this, I hope. But again, even the vaccine now is sort of controversial. It's that kind of, you know, so yes. so you're you're very stuck with social media because you sort of want to put messages across, but you, you can't because you're worried yeah. about it. So actually you being a doctor is a good thing because you <laughs> can. I give you full authority and I'm taking all your advice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my job is looking at information, particularly medical information, and, and trying to present it in a way that people can relate to and understand, but also, to some extent, trying to sift through the stuff that is accurate and the stuff that may not be quite so accurate or helpful. Because we are, as I said, surrounded by so much information, it's very difficult to know what to believe. Fake yeah. news has been such a significant thing that we've never really had to deal with, I think, on this scale ever before. And especially during the pandemic where people's worries are heightened, they're very, very stressed. It's You will cling on to anything that's out there or you will potentially be misled by anything that is out there. And, and some of this stuff is trivial at best, but it's literally lethal, I think, at worst. There were people yeah. early on in the pandemic who were you know, trying all sorts of home remedies and dangerous home remedies and coming to real harm because of something they'd seen or heard or read on the internet. And I think that's really scary. I know, I can honestly tell you, Raj, and it make you laugh, but I, in the beginning, I read somewhere that oregano oil, very good in antiseptic. So I mm. was gargling with it at night. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly Ooh. I got the worst mouth ulcers right and I kept yes. saying to my husband I've got these terrible mouth ulcers he was like why do you think that I'm like I don't know you know my diet's healthy there's this there's that I said I just yes. I can't imagine anyway this went on for a couple of weeks I finally spoke to my doctor she said, well what else are you doing I said well I gargle with oregano oil she went why and I said well because I've read that it's <laughs> she went honestly oh, maybe dear. stop that and I thought <laughs> it's terrifying how yeah. we I guess cling on to things because yes we don't like being out of control. And the thing I've spoken to mm. about with all my guests is yes. it's that we, we don't like being out of control. We like to fix things. So in my mind, I too felt succumbed to that. I was like, well, is there something we can cling on to? I mean, and now on reflection, I'm like, would it have been oil of oligano? I mean, I'm, I am worried about people's mental health after this mm. and the coming, you know, yes. from all sorts of reasons. I'm worried for yes. kids, as I'm sure you must have been, not mm. being at school. My son's missed a year and a half of, university like the best years of your life he hasn't yes. set foot on campus for a year and a half like many university students I've watched him do zoom classes they're boring mm. doesn't matter how great the it's teacher the is it's not the same people losing their businesses and and everything like that so I feel like we have to have a mental check and I feel like things like 
you know, doing things like your book, keeping the messages going about other illnesses that we need to keep check on and not lose sight of, you know, HIV, the cancers, the the having your yearly checks, um, having a medical. I mean, do you advocate all of that, like still keeping going with everything? This this is the thing. It's so very easy to get preoccupied with coronavirus right now and everything related to that, that we almost forget that there's a whole bunch of other stuff that still happens health-wise. So we still need to be keeping up with our checks and our, you know, things like our smears and our screening and all that kind of stuff is hugely important. We still need to be on the lookout for signs of things like cancer. We still have to look after our heart health. We still have to look after our general health. And above all of that, through all of this, and it's taken quite a battering, we have to look after our mental health because I think we're going to be dealing with the fallout of this pandemic for many, many years to come, especially when it comes to our mental well-being. This is been probably the hardest thing that some of us have ever faced in our lifetimes and probably ever will and especially for young people whose lives got turned upside down and you know this completely different way of living and working was thrust upon them and many of them missed out on so many important life experiences and things that would have built them into better people in the long term they've got to now catch that up and I think that That's part of the reason why the book is so important right now, as I said, is because it kind of helps some of that. But we have a responsibility now, I think, to our children, to our young people and to young adults to now make it almost make it up to them and say, right, let's get back on track and let's try and fill some of those gaps in your knowledge and experience that have happened. That's going to be quite difficult, I think. Well, as you know, I'm a big fan of yours and a big advocate and like to feel I was there at the beginning. I have your next book idea that I want you to do (laughs) because I think your book is brilliant. And I totally think anybody with a boy needs to, you know, buy it for them, buy it for a gift, do whatever. I think it's fantastic. (laughs) I I was then looking back and I thought when I was pregnant, there was one book available, which was called What to Expect When You're Expecting, that I literally read like a Bible. And the poor thing for (laughs) for my gynecologist because at the end of every chapter, it would sort of say all this stuff. And then it go, but if you're in any doubt, ring your doctor. And so I'd always ring him because yes. I go, do you think that's happened to me? Or what? And I think that people are going to have a concern that is huge. And I think you need to do a book like this for everybody. Like, I think you need to do a book that's like on a bigger scale. Because I want your book. I want Dr. Ranji's guide to helping me lead a better and happier life after this. Because... I think it's the fear factor. I know that I had, I did, I went, I went um, back into the city and I had yes. my mammogram and my smear test. And it was my yearly check. And I did put it off by a couple yes. of months. And I thought, no, you've got to do it. And I put it off. Why? Because I was frightened to do it. You know, yes. I was frightened. I was I, frightened of catching absolutely. COVID. I didn't want to get it. And when I went in, I was so comforted by the amazing, I think anybody that's worked in the health system has been a total hero through this. And I was comforted, but I have to be honest, it's still, it wasn't the experience it was before because I had a different Mm. element of fear. Like it wasn't so much about the pap smear not being good or the mammogram not being good. I was also thinking, oh my God, you know, like if the nurse coughed, I was like, oh, you're coughing. I I couldn't have worn more masks. I could barely breathe. I had so many masks (laughs) on. Um, And that was before they even suggested double masking. I think I had about three. So I was completely constricted. (laughs) And there is something... Like that. And I thought, gosh, you know, it is going to take people a level of bravery to get back out Mm. there and to get back into the normal world of just doing that stuff. 
Yeah, and right now it's really interesting. We've just had in the UK uh, the the roadmap to exiting lockdown announced, and the the path that the UK is going to take to get back to normality, uh, hopefully by the summer. And some people are finding that it's provoking anxiety. Interestingly, you know, there are people that are celebrating, that are joyous that things are getting better. We've got a way out. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. And then there is a real cohort of people who I've seen are saying, this has made me really, really anxious. And that's a perfectly normal human feeling. And the reason being, we've become institutionalized to some extent in our little bubbles and our safety bubbles. So we've been made to feel and we have been making ourselves feel safe in the life that we are living so that now anything that changes that and takes us back to you know the normality that we used to have is going to feel stressful it's going to feel anxiety provoking and I always say to people right okay take it one step at a time this is a slow process visualize what you think is going to happen in your mind and take it a day at a time this is not going to happen quickly make sure as you do return to normality now as everybody's doing keep some boundaries in there for yourself just for your own mental health you can't go from zero to hero straight away keep some rules in place for yourself and flex those rules as things get better lean on those people around you who are going through exactly the same thing and talk to them and share your feelings never feel scared or frightened of doing that because you are by no means by yourself here yeah and we've all got a degree of anxiety now that things are looking like they're getting better What's the world going to be like when we go back to it? Just remember, the world's always been there. It's just been slightly different. And now we get to create a world in a way that we would like it to be. So it's a great opportunity in a way, isn't it? It's a really good chance for us to create a life and a way of living that we may not necessarily have had before. And how will it change for you, Ranj, in your world? Because I guess, you know, we're all talking about our world right as the layman and you know and how we do it and and how we kind of I feel the same I'm completely institutionalized every step's going to be a big step <laughs> travel's going to be a big step which I used to do yes. all the time you know now I'm like oh my god I've got to get from A to B I never thought about it before but how is it going to change for you and those in the medical industry like how mm. is your world going to change when it when it goes back to some sort of, I hate the word new normal. Yeah. I keep thinking of how else I can describe it, but do you know what I, but there isn't where it's the new normal, mean. but it sounds awful. Yes, back to the real world. Well, nobody actually knows. So I think there's a genuine fear that as we open the gates again, we will be flooded by all the things that have been sitting at home and people have been putting off or maybe not paying attention to or have been missed. You know, waiting lists for operations will need to be caught up on. There will be, you know, a bunch of people who've sat at home with symptoms and been too worried to come in because they're scared. And there will be people who haven't had the mind space to think about their health. There's a concern about that. But At the same time, our health behaviours have changed. I don't think we've ever been as health conscious as we are right now. Our behaviour around each other and other people has changed for, I think, for, for actually probably for several years to come. So to the point where we've seen a disappearance of certain infectious conditions. So we're not seeing as much chicken pox as we used to. We're not seeing as much flu and colds and diarrhoea and vomiting has gone, certainly gone off the map. So there has been some benefit to some of this. We're not seeing as many cases of meningitis, for example, and that's because our behavior on a population level when it comes to infectious diseases has changed. We don't know if that's going to all come flooding back when we open the gates, but I'd like to think that because we are changed for the long term, at least for now, I'd like to think that we're not going to see so much of that, but 
we may have to, as we said earlier, contend with a lot more of the mental well-being and mental health issues that have been thrown up. Yeah. And I can imagine dealing with children during all of this. Were they frightened or were children in that amazing way very accepting of the situation? Because could parents come in Mm. and be with their children during COVID or did you have to be the parent to them as well? I was really sort of intrigued by that. Children were relatively under affected by COVID compared to older age groups. That doesn't mean they're not affected at all. And a small proportion were were affected quite severely. But if anything, they didn't make up huge numbers. So that's been at least some positive. And children are hugely resilient in themselves as well. They are so matter of fact, and that's the beauty of children. They just Mm -hmm. kind of get on with it. Um, You know, they are there to enjoy life, whereas adults get very, very complicated in all of the other things as well. We did have to put, especially early on in the pandemic, we had to put specific, you can hear the sirens going on in the background. (laughs) We had to put certain rules in place with regards to visitation and things purely from a safety perspective. Because you couldn't have, when you're in the middle of a pandemic, you can't have lots of people going in and out of a place where there are lots and lots of unwell, vulnerable people and also lots and lots of staff who also need to be looked after. So we had, often we had a one parent rule um, yeah. And we just had to be extra strict on that. I think that's been really, really hard for some people, especially if you're, you know, my, my brother's about to have their second baby and there are rules around how many people you're allowed with you and at what time of labor. So you can't yeah. have them at the start, but you can have them during active labor and then only for two hours afterwards or something. And I know. it's going to be a very welcome shift when we can come out of that, I think. Yeah, no, that's what I thought I had couple of people who I knew had babies in COVID and I thought wow giving birth yes. is a challenge at the best of times let alone if you have to do it right without now, your partner right Absolutely. there but you're right about children I did think back to when I used to be I used to do a lot of work for Great Ormond Street in mm. the early part of my career and I was always blown away I used to go onto the oncology ward and everything like that and children were so matter of fact you go in and they go hi you know my name is so and so I have cancer <laughs> of it. and 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 they'd yeah. say it like they were telling you what they were going to have for lunch you know there was a bravery and an, as you yes. say a sort of no complications thing to children so I'm glad yes. if that is sort of maintained because you don't want them now coming out into this world frightened that yeah. something bad is 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 in the air type of thing it's so interesting and i say this time and time again that the smallest humans in in society sometimes show the best humanity children are so pure in many ways and so unjaded by the world around them and haven't been you know negatively impacted quite so much as we we all are when we when we start to grow up. Their intentions are so much simpler, and they want to express they want to experience and express joy and love yeah. and laughter and happiness. They try not to get they actively don't get bogged down in things quite so much. And I think we as adults have so much to learn because we forgot all of that when yeah. we grew up. We forgot a lot of this. We forgot yeah. a lot of the basics and the simple things that really, really make a difference and keep us happy. Um, yeah. And that's why I love working with kids. They're just they're the best people. <laughs> well, they they really are because they give a totally different. <laughs> They just do. They just always uncomplicate life. It's just like, it's yes. a good day. It's a sunny day. It's a rainy day. It's got it. And you're like, okay, there that's brilliant. Talk about somebody working hard during COVID. I mean, you have literally not stopped to all intents and purposes. <laughs> if it's not the book, it's the TV, it's everything. Yeah. And has that kept you, do you think, 
sane for want of a better word just to keep going or did you feel there was sort of no I mean obviously no option in your medical field but but just to keep sort of going on every angle I mean all credit to you because that's not been an easy task I wouldn't imagine I've always worked in the health system and healthcare and I work part-time and then, you know, the rest of the time I I get to do wonderful things like go on the telly or write a book and these incredibly things that I've been really, really fortunate to be able to do. And during the pandemic, a lot of people were not able to work and I felt terrible for that because I was really lucky. I could still go to work and it kind of did keep me going. It gave me a sense of purpose. As the TV stuff and the media stuff quietened down during lockdown, I was able to shift my focus to my hospital work and do more of that. Because firstly, you know, that's my, where my passion comes from, but also that was my calling. I was like, that's where I need to be. I need to be doing my bit not trying to be a hero, but just mucking in with everybody else. And I was like, I, I, yeah. I don't want to feel like my friends and colleagues are going through this and I'm sitting at home and not helping when I can do. So I've been very fortunate that I've been able to do that. Lots of people haven't been able to do that. And I think that's had a huge impact on them, possibly will do for m- many, many years to come. But it did keep me sane. It did keep yeah. me going. It gave me a focus. And I think that's really, really important. And you must be getting, progressively so, a very good reaction from kids. And I'm sure because of the benefits of social media, you probably get some lovely mess. You probably do get good feedback on the book, which must be the upside, I guess, of of doing something like that in this kind of climate. It's, it's been lovely. I didn't expect that at all. This was the first book I properly sat down to write and I poured myself into it and it was a massive learning curve for me. And it was very difficult at times because I'm not a natural writer. So I had to learn so much and overcome so many sort of hurdles to get through it. But now that people have started to read it, I've had the loveliest messages from parents. Some saying my son would never, ever acknowledge something like this. And the other day he came to me and said, thank you for giving me that book. It's really answered a lot of my questions. Others saying that it's helped me open up conversations around things like identity, sexuality, mental health with my young person. People from the autistic community saying, this has been fantastic because it it now means that, you know, my son has a resource he can understand and relate to and gives him the facts in a way that he can understand and really, really applies to him. It's been lovely to hear these messages from people. And I never really expect that, but it is, it's wonderful. It's heartwarming when you hear that. Oh no, I love that. And I, and I'm, I'm not, as I say, I'm not remotely surprised. I wish I'd had it for, you know, when my kids were younger because we all need, a guide and I think that you know to have that sort of openness of conversation I think the best thing you can have with your children is an open line of communication and if you have yes. children that can come to you and talk to you I feel like you've done yes. a good job but I have to ask <laughs> you as well um the sort of million dollar question so we're coming out of this are we are we coming to the end of the tunnel do you think we are going to be able to you know, really now look for, I say it so tentatively because I've sort of lived yes. in like three week <laughs> chunks in America. Um, yeah. I came into the first lockdown, literally thinking, oh, this will be a lovely kind of couple of weeks holiday, like a bonus time. And then I feel like I'm sort of, as time goes on, I'm always sort of nervous to celebrate anything good because mm. when the vaccine came out, I was like, oh my God, the vaccine, yeah. this is it. It'll be done in like 
I mean, what do I know? Thank goodness I'm not in any sort of medical <laughs> profession. But I thought, well, that would be great. You just sort of line everybody up in big stadiums and we'll all be done in about a couple of weeks and then we're all good to go. And then it's like singing and dancing and I'm doing the. The reality is I'm having to sort of measure myself, if you like, on excitement yes, levels. Yeah. But I do look to you, Ranj, as somebody that is going to tell me that it is on the good side of the tunnel as opposed to the bad side of the tunnel. Oh, we really are. There is real hope and light at the end of this long, long tunnel that we've been in. And it's been a rocky ride, but there is a real palpable sense of hope and optimism right now. Part of that is because that we now know more about this condition and how to manage it and treat it and how to reduce the spread. But at the same time, for example, you know, we, the rollout of the vaccine is showing signs of success. The other thing I think we've got to remember, though, is that COVID will not just disappear. It will not just go away. It's unlikely to do that. What we think is probably going to happen, it's going to become something that we learn to live with to some extent. That's not to say it's going to be this bad. I think, for example, like what we do with flu every year, we know that flu yeah. is an inevitable part of life. Um, it is going to affect a lot of people, some of them quite seriously. And we've learned to manage that risk and still carry life on. That's where my confusion lay, because now we've got all these variants. Like every day there's like, oh, mm. this variant, that is the vaccine going to cope with that? And I, I think about yes. the flu and I was somebody, I hate to tell you, I didn't always get the flu jab. Like, I mm. obviously knew about the flu. And I guess in my life, if I thought somebody had the flu, I'd avoid seeing them and hope I didn't get it type of thing. Yes, and in the winter, yeah. take more vitamin C and, you know, green juices mm, and all the rest of it. Yourself, yeah. I feel like COVID is going to be one of those things where it's a sort of it's a bigger deal of a flu and we really will get that jab mm. once a year. I mean, do you feel yes, like that's yeah. how we will have to probably yeah. deal with it? Because it's probably not something we can make as sort of lighter decision over I feel like it's something where yes. I feel like a duty like if you know because I am around elderly people because I do have a sister mm. who's having chemo I don't want to risk anything it won't be like oh I might have the flu jab I might not it'll be yes. you know what we need that jab or learning to live with it in that kind of way I think we will be able to minimize COVID but it will still probably grumble. We may It may become a seasonal thing like flu does. The difference between flu and COVID, we don't obviously lock down every year for flu and everything like that. The difference between flu and COVID was just speed. That's the problem. Yeah. Is COVID is, becomes rampant. It spreads so fast and it's a numbers game. So yeah. if you've got something that affects a lot of people very quickly, then even if the vast majority of those people are not affected seriously, there will still be a lot that are. And dealing with those numbers is something we've never done before. Flu doesn't do that. But to control flu so it doesn't do And that. also flu sort of has the same symptoms. If you and I got flu yes. and then spoke... The reality is probably nine out of 10 symptoms you we have yes. identically. And then, the you know, there might be yes. one. I'd say, oh, I didn't get a headache. You go, oh, I did. I've noticed, particularly in my sort of my children's age range, it's that asymptomatic person for a mm, start yeah, who literally yeah. has zero symptoms yeah. to a lot of the young people that have a bit of a cold feeling but nothing else. Yes. So I, I get it. It's so random. And then the people, obviously now I have had friends who've had it. I don't think I've had two people I know in my own life who've had the same symptoms. Exactly. And that's what's exactly. really random. You know, I've had one friend that yeah. just had this 
killer sore throat for four days, but never got a cough. I've had somebody else that mm. that's, I guess, what's unnerved people because we kind of know yes. what chicken pox is. It's very obvious. Yes. It's a rash and yes. you feel like, oh, I'm in control of that. My child's mm. got chicken pox. I know exactly what yes. that is. Or the flu. You're like, I ache. I've got a fever. I've got the flu. Yes. Yeah, um, and we're learning. We're constantly learning. And we haven't even touched on uh, the whole concept of long COVID, which is what we're learning about all the time, because there are going to be a a, a whole group of people that have long-term symptoms. And that's something that we are finding out about right now. And I think there's huge amounts of research is going to go into that. But I want to give people a sense of almost hope in, in a way that, do you know what COVID has done? It has advanced medical science so quickly in such a short space of time. We've learnt more about our immune system, about viruses, about vaccines. We have got these great treatments now as well. That, And there's always something new on the horizon coming out. It has led us to learn so much as well, which yeah. I think can only be a good thing in the long run. I took great comfort in the fact I thought, you know, we've put men on the moon. Like scientists are cool. Like we have, we know there's going to be this (laughs) body of people. If we can get on the moon, we can get control of COVID. And I think you're right. There's all the long-term things, but I do think science has been amazing. And I I guess I, you know, what I'd want to hear from you is that we are sort of getting to the nearer end of of living with it, as you say, living Mm. with it and hopefully living with it without as much fear which would yes. be a really good thing. And we do need voices <laughs> like you. We need voices like you out there. You're on a real mission. And I, I just, I love that about you, basically. I think you're yeah. pretty awesome. Thank so before you. I go, I want to Thank ask you, you the much. two sort of key questions oh, okay. on my podcast, which the first one being, what gives you life? Do you know what? It's as simple as the first thing I do when I get up is I put music on and music has this incredible way of energizing you. It's so strange. I do it when I work out. I do it when I'm walking to work. I do it if I need, if I need something to get me out of my seat and do something to give me that va-va-voom, it's music. So for me, music is, it's been a constant thread throughout everything. Every chapter in my book actually starts with a song that means something that is relevant to that chapter. So, and that's by no mistake, music for me has been my life giver, my life. And I know that you're doing a few of those little strictly boring moves with it. Don't, (laughs) don't lie. When you get up in the morning, there's a bit of that, there's a cha-cha, a little little bit of a rumba. (laughs) What about what feeds your soul? I'm very privileged and lucky that I do this, but the feeling when I get, when I genuinely have helped somebody else to either make them better or make things better for them. So the feeling that I get when I've helped a family who've got a sick child or the child themselves, or just kind of made their load a little bit lighter. And that gives me my raison d'etre. That's what hits me in the corner and says, you're doing the right thing. Service to other people is what feeds my soul because it means that I'm here and I'm here for a good reason. I can't thank you enough for being on with me today because you are one of thank that you. good, you're on the good list. <laughs> thank you, you're I'll take the, that. 
Yeah, you're definitely on the good list. And as I say, your book is is fantastic. How to Grow Up and Feel Amazing, the No Worry Guide for Boys is, is a brilliant job. So congratulations. And I hope you'll come back on and we'll chat again. And maybe we'll have like a chat where we're kind of going, do you remember COVID-19? And, and we'll be... One day. Yeah, and we'll be in our kind of 60s and I'll be going, Rand, you still doing, you know... The, and, let, let's 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 look forward to that moment for sure. But for yes. now, thank you so much for joining me. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And also, if you've enjoyed this episode, do leave a five-star review. And you can find out more by going to buyemma.co.